You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Laquita Mitchell, welcome to Token Theater, friends. I'm so happy to be talking to you today. And can we get started by having you talk a little bit about what lesson plan is? Thank you so much for having me, Jose. Again, my name is Laquita Mitchell, and I'm a part of Onsite Opera's lesson plan. Lesson plan is uh, a piece that has been uh, written by uh, Rachel Peters. And it's off of the Telemann opera, the, the Schulaufmeister, I believe. And um, it's basically some of the music from Telemann uh, interspersed in the music that's written by uh, Rachel Peters. So she was working from two spaces. Um, so the story is about a wonderful operatic diva who is a bit unhappy, uh, who comes to a school in the middle of nowhere, I guess, um, Middletown, Indiana, and uh, gives a master class uh, on voice and singing. And I am the, the liberal arts administrator, uh, and I am the facilitator, the person that helps to facilitate this virtual master class. Um, and what turns out in the end is the two, these two women getting to learn a bit about each other, and, um, and getting to understand that there are reasons for people to stay in their hometowns and there are reasons for people to leave. And, um, and they're both mutually respectable and okay. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast uh, getting to know uh, the music and it's been absolutely wonderful to work with the entire staff Stephanie Blythe, our conductor, Jeff McDonald, uh, obviously Eric Einhorn, who runs, uh, who is the general director of Onsite Opera. And, um, and also, it's also been um, a bit of a learning curve, I believe, for all of us, because we are doing this opera via Zoom. And so the technology behind it, it one has to be very patient, because you are waiting to to, for your, um, your pieces to be synced and making sure that everything is lining up, it's, it's rather daunting. So one has to have a lot of patience and I'm not always very patient, but um, 
it's it's been it's been incredible to to sort of work in this sort of medium and I can imagine that when Eric Einhorn decided to do this online offer, he thought to himself, hmm, the online stuff is probably passe. Every, you know, everyone is coming out of quarantine. Everyone's going to shows. And that still is the case in New York City. Obviously not as much, but I think that the Zoom offer is perfect, uh, especially for this time now, unfortunately, for um, you know our city that's still dealing with the surge of Omicron. So it's at home. And you just, you know, you just load it up and you're able to watch this live opera at home. You have performed yeah. all over the world. And so it's like the grandest, you know, like the, the grand temples of opera and the grand temples of music, so to speak. And I wonder what's it like for you as a performer, you know, like when you go to the opera, you're often told to be quiet, to, you know, like you're here to bask in the glorious music. And in Lesson Plan, for instance, there's an element of um, interactivity with the people who are going to be watching. So what's that like been for you as an opera singer? Well, I think, um, I think it's actually a wonderful way to interact uh, with the audience in, an, in, in a wonderful way, actually. Um, energy is real and you can feel the energy through any medium. And when you're on stage singing in on, on a symphony stage or an opera stage or in a church or, or, or at a big meeting or in a big hall, you can feel the energy from the audience. So, okay, so, for, you know, for lesson plan, we obviously won't necessarily see everyone, but we can totally understand and, and vibe off of what energy we receive, you know, through the, the, the chat and things of that nature. So it's going to, I think it's, I think it's going to be very, very interesting. And um, although it will not be the same as standing on the stage and emoting in front of a, a huge audience, I think it will be a, an exercise for myself and for, you know, my colleague, uh, the great Miss Stephanie, Stephanie Blythe, I think it will be an exercise for us to constantly stay within that ourselves stay within the character, bring what emotions and feelings that we have about the characters and, and about the scene into focus. So um, it, that's my job. And sometimes that's, that's more difficult than just standing on stage when you have all this other, you know, grandness to sort of take up space, but I'm literally taking up this amount of space within the screen. So it's very concentrated. Right. It sounds like you have to, you know, like I, I, I admire so much that opera singers have this quality of stillness that, you know, like even though they're dying on stage and like pouring literally their heart out, there's some element of being grounded in stillness. So I'm assuming that, you know, based on what you're saying, that performing on Zoom adds an extra element where you have to be like even stiller, right? Right. And that's why it's, it's pretty, it's so different when you're filming, uh, you, opera now in HD or if you're you're filming something for television you know our movements on stage can be, have a big big gestures um but if you're filming for HD if you're filming for something on television the gestures are not that big it's not that you know it's not that grand everything is a bit more smaller it's concentrated it's about the eyes it's about eye contact and again it's about the energy and the synergy that one feels with the other person in the other frame. 
And so um, it's been interesting to sort of to get we're still trying to get there. We still have a few days until we open, but we're still we're still getting there. I love it. I obviously couldn't help but see a similarity between lesson plan and masterclass, which oh. you've already done. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, and then ending up doing pieces that are almost spiritual sisters, let's call them. They are. They are. It totally is. And I actually told Eric this the first day of rehearsal. I remember walking into the first day of rehearsal uh, with Tyne Daly and with now late uh, Terrence McNally. And um, they said, Lakita, you know, we, you know, don't, we, we just want to let you know that if you ever feel like you need a break, you know, if you feel like you're really being piled upon and it's really getting tough for you because you're being badgered, you can walk away for a little bit. And I looked at them and I'm like, you have no idea what it means to actually be a singer, an opera singer in a true masterclass with a real diva, you know, like that, or being in a coaching with real divas, you know, or whatever, like, I, I'm fine. I've heard worse, <laughs> honestly. So you, you, you sort of, um, you sort of uh, begin to develop this extra layer of thick skin. And I think that, um, I, I think that's what I, what I am beginning to, to figure out with, with lesson plan versus masterclass. Masterclass being obviously about the, the great late Maria Callas and her classes at Juilliard. And um, this obviously has sort of the same tinge, but, um, you know, Stephanie wanted to be very, very intentional about her character and not that she wanted the character to just to be mean just for the, just to be mean, you know, but that there was some sort of pathos behind why she says what she says or why she feels the way that she feels and then you begin to have some empathy for the character which we don't well I guess you can have a bit of empathy for the Maria College character in Masterclass some people do but some people just do not but um for me I have a soft heart and so I I can see both sides and um I think my character uh in that lesson plan is able to show uh, Cynthia, uh, I'm sorry, Stephanie's character, that um, there isn't just one way to be happy. You know, there are, there are a myriad of ways, and we need music, not just on the great opera stages. We need music and great musicians in churches. We need them in schools. Oh, Lord, do we need them in schools. We need musicians um, singing on the street corner, you know, we, we need musicians for everything because we know that art is truly one of the great foundational, arts and culture is one of the great foundational um, uh, milieus that we as human beings need in order to express ourselves. So I, 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 really, um, I, I really believe uh, that, that I hope that people walk away feeling that they, they can get that that you can be in the, in, in the Midwest and still have a wonderful musical experience. And you can be in New York City and enjoy a wonderful musical experience. And yeah, that everyone is, is included uh, within, 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 the, within art. Everyone is included. 
And that is such a perfect, timely message during the pandemic when, you know, so many people, for instance, had to leave the big metropolis, you know, like New York and Los Angeles and Sydney and London and go back to their hometowns and go back to their home countries, for instance. And there's, we're still like in that sense, in a sense, sorry, we're still in a sense, some sort of limbo. And one of the things that I really admire about you and what you've done during the pandemic is that you almost immediately, you know, realize, okay, this shift happened, there's nothing we can do about it. And you almost immediately went the digital route and you started holding this beautiful conversations on your YouTube, which are available still for all of you to watch and take a listen. And I, I wanted to hear a little bit more about how this transition happened. Was it something that was a no brainer for you? Or did it take you, you know, a few weeks or a few days to figure out that you still wanted to find a way to do your art and talk about art, except not on a stage anymore? Yeah, I think um, that it was, it took me some time. I, I talked some things over with some friends. I talked things over with some of my younger friends who were far more technologically savvy than I was. And, um, you know, went and brought a few high-tech uh, pieces of equipment and decided that I was going to begin this education sort of talk thing about musicians and things of that nature on a Wednesday. And um, I remember the first two shows that I did. And then the third show was when the George Floyd thing sort of happened. And it just changed everything for me. As, as it did, you know, most of the United States, most of the world. So I felt like um, there were a lot of people who were hosting and doing things online and things of that nature, but I wanted to speak to the artists um, about their, um, about their thoughts, about their feelings, about this time. And um, it, I believe during this time, what ended up happening was the accessibility to people that we never thought we would have access to was far more available than we thought. So I have never met you before, but I'm quite sure that you and I have a few people that we know in common because the world is smaller than we think, especially the world in the arts. So um, the pe some people that I've dreamt of all of my life you know, I just, I've always wanted to talk to them or speak to them about their lives and their careers, I realized that they were far more accessible than I had imagined. And everyone had the time. So, um, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, you know, I'm like, well, you know, I haven't been online in a long time because I've been busy and things have sort of changed for me. My life is going through some changes and I'm thinking of um, interviewing uh, our cast. Uh, uh, in maybe in the next few days, because I think it will be interesting to see how things have changed thus far, and I and I want to know um, how it's changed for the composer. How what what does it feel like, you know, for the female, you know, composer? What does it feel like for a company head who is now tasked at um, being a change agent in this country and in the business? because there aren't very many companies that are pushing to do out of the box pieces. Um, 
what is it like for a conductor who does not live in the United States, but is an American and is doing his or her own work. So, you know, I think I'm thinking about these things in my mind and I and I am thinking that I might want to interview and ask questions because I know how I feel and I know how I feel as a person of color. I, I still feel that I'm in certain instances, I'm still trying to grapple with so much of the change that's happened in our business. And I think although we on the other side, the artists, the people who are casting certain things, although we know what's right, the people with the money are the ones who still dictate what is seen and what is not seen. And it's very, very difficult to keep trying to push for diversity and equity when it's sort of tolerated and that's it. You know what I mean? And so you're finding yourself thinking, well, you just you sort of want to be someplace where you're appreciated, not just tolerated, you know? And I'm um it's a constant struggle still to this day for artists of, of color to have to figure out where they actually belong, you know? Um, I'm never going to question what I can bring to the table, but I do question sometimes if the people that I'm sitting next to actually really want me there. Yeah. I mean, so, that rings a thousand bells. So yes. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I find it so. And, that, and, that's, and that's in everything. That's in everything. That's, you know, it's in how you're interacted with via email, how you're interacting with board members. It's how they say different things to you that you're like, what? That's sort of inappropriate. Still, are we still saying that in 2022? Like, what, what are you talking about? You know, like, it's still that sort of thing that um, I, I it, it still has not, it's not left, I'll just say that. You have talked in other interviews about how you, during the pandemic, you got to see yourself more as an artist teacher. And obviously this is very true based on the, you know, the panels that you've been hosting. But I, something that really captured my attention and something why I personally believe makes you a great teacher is that you're a constant student. One of my favorite things watching you in those panels that you host is watching you almost look like a child. You're talking to these people that you admire and you're asking them questions and in the process you're learning from them. So, you know, other than this element of being a teacher, would you say that this period you know, this really strange time that we're living in has also made you a more engaged student of life. I agree. Absolutely. They say to teach is to learn twice. Like, we are constantly learning, and that's why I love music. And that's why I love, you know, the elements of art that are just, I just love it because we learn so much about other people about other cultures, about, you know, where civilization began and why, you know, things are said the way that they're said. And then it's transferred down to my grandmother, who is a Black woman who speaks Spanish from Panama. You know, like, why this person speaks this way or that way or this or that? I've always been curious. 
And one cannot be truly a lover of life if you're not curious. I don't care what it is that you're doing. If you are not curious, you are destined to live a mundane life. And that is okay. But for me, I choose to be curious so that I can learn from my partners and my, my friends on stage. And I love working with people from other countries. I, I have sung in Russia, I don't know how many times, but every time I return, there's a group of people who are there who see that I'm performing and they're there and I see them. And the English is not that great, but we communicate and we have fun and we talk and we give each other gifts and we talk about things. And it's, it's just, I, there isn't a city that I, I can go to that I don't have a friend because I've learned something. I've chosen to learn from them in whatever manner, you know, whatever it is, you know, take me, show me where the culinary uh, uh, district is. and Why do they cook with this? Why do they do that? Or where are the singers? And what happened here back in the 60s or the civil rights movement? Or, you know, what, you know, I'm constantly questioning and asking. I received news today that um, one of my college music uh, history professors in music, and she was a, also, she taught um, one of the music ed courses that I took when I was in college. I got news today that she passed away. And the first thing that I thought about was the introduction to Western music, because that's what she taught. And I had such a, um, such an interest, such a, a finite interest in what she was um, trying to explain to us. And I would always try to make correlations between what Bach wrote versus what a Stevie Wonder song might be. Like, what are the correlations? How, how can that, um, how can I, I, I put that together in words so that I can understand what ABA form means or what this means or what that means? And um, she was always open to hearing the comparison. She was always open to hearing what we had to say because obviously she was much older and her table of contents, as you will, were different. And she just came up at a different time. But music is always constantly changing and people are changing. So we have to respect that change and, and also uh, be open uh, to to allowing that change to somehow maybe affect us in a positive way, you know? I wonder with the time that you've had over the past two years, you know, once that uh, unfortunately performance started getting canceled and everyone was sent home, I wonder if you ended up discovering new pieces to you at least that now you're obsessed with and maybe new <laughs> operas that now you want to do at some point. Yeah. Um... There, I mean, there are, there's so many offerings that I'd love to do. Um, I've not been asked to do them. I'm constantly getting asked to sing like new works or be a part of, you know, these world premieres and things of that nature. And that's fine. Um, I would like a few Puccini operas or two in a season. That would be nice, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, but I um, am falling in love of with songs by Alban Berg, B-E-R-G. Um, I'm to perform them in a few months. And I've always heard about them. I sort of heard, heard them, but I never really studied them. And now I'm in the process of studying them. And I'm thinking to myself, this is probably some of the most 
amazing music. I, I, I cannot believe how incredibly beautiful these pieces are. So I'm so super duper excited to to be working on that. Also, um, as you know, I sing tons of oratorial and a concert sort of uh, pieces. So um, I'll be singing a, a lot of that in March and April. So I'll be doing Beethoven 9, which I haven't done in a long time. And I think the word, um, you know, the ode to joy will mean something a bit different now to sing with your friends and to have nothing but respect for your brother and for humanity. Um, that will mean something different to me now, you know, after having experienced, you know, uh, George Floyd's murder and January 6th and it, it just means so much now um, those words having respect for your brother you know just putting on a mask so that the person next to you does not in any way in any fashion become ill maybe you know I was just reading that our Supreme Court Justice you know uh, um Judge Sotomayor is only calling in for work because the justice that's sitting right next to her refuses to wear a mask. And she is one of our most celebrated Latina women. And I am so infuriated by that because she suffers from diabetes and she doesn't want to become sick. But the person sitting next to her, Neil Gorsuch, will not wear a mask. It's, it's just the most amazing world that we're living in right now. And I'm hoping that somehow um, the tide will change where one is not just, just not consumed with self. I also think that the past two years, because of social media, because, you know, Everyone was separated from each other. Everyone really became consumed with self and not necessarily consumed with all, you know? And um, I've heard more talk from young singers about their brand and branding, you know, videos and posting and things of that nature. And I've not really heard anyone, anyone speak to me about reading the biography on Giuseppe Verdi or the biography on Josephine Baker or the biography on, I don't know, Handel, or I've not heard any of, I've not heard anyone speak about that. And that makes me so sad because there is so much more outside of social media that needs to be consumed. We are looking for the society now, so we're watching, constantly watching, watching, watching. Um, and after a while watching the same things on Instagram, like I on and TikTok, like I can't, I cannot do that. Okay. Like I have to read something. I have to figure out what's going on with the world so that I can stay interconnected. So that I can be connected. And so um yeah, I'm just, I'm seriously, I think the last two years have been eye-opening and very, very helpful in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways it has it drawn 
us even further apart. We are, we're not coming together for the right reasons, I don't think. And I'm hoping that lesson plan, <laughs> as I turn back to lesson plan, I'm hoping that lesson plan uh, will bring people together to sing together. You know, yeah. one of the quotes at the end, like everyone gets to sing in this opera. Like you get to tune in and you get to sing. And um, I think it's I think it's fun. I think it's great. And I love singing next to people. <laughs> I want to ask you also, uh, is, is Omar happening in May? I mean, fingers crossed, not kind of wood. Yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, we begin rehearsals on the 2nd of May. And I think we open at the ending of May into June. So fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. But I think I'm praying that things will be a bit um, calmer at that time. And that's also a piece, you know, once you get to actually perform it, that's a piece that I'm assuming a lot has changed in the way that you're approaching that piece as a performer and as a human being from, you know, before the pandemic when it was supposed to happen up to your stater, right? Yeah, I mean, the character of Julie in Omar is um, it's a, it's a slave girl who is not born in uh in africa she's born in the united states she was actually born into slavery so, so that's the only thing she's ever known but she had a father who was muslim in which most most west africans that came to that part of the country they were muslim and then they were converted so um she is she, she's one of those slaves that actually remembers and remembers what her father um, said how he behaved, um, the the uh, the attention that he paid to uh, his eating and his food habits. So when she meets Omar and sees him with this, and sees him and and hears what you know how he's speaking and and sees what he has on the top of his head, she realizes that this man is was actually what my father was. You know, and so um, I think it's. I I I hope that everyone can get to see it, and I'm I'm excited too because I'll be hearing all of this stuff for like the first time, and we've just been workshopping, and um, there've been additional changes and things like that to the score. So we'll see how it all comes together. I haven't quite. Um, I haven't thrown myself into the role yet. I'm still trying to figure some things out. Um, I'm, I, I'm the type of person that when I'm going into a role, I'm thinking about everything, mannerism, how, you know, how does a person engage? Uh, does she have a twitch? Does she have this? Is it, you know, I'm constantly asking myself all of these questions so that I have something to bring to the table when it comes time for rehearsals because we don't really have a long rehearsal process. Um, it's rather quick, actually, for a new production. Normally, new productions take about four and a half weeks to sort of mount, but I don't even think we're doing that. I don't think we even have that much time. So I need to come to the table knowing something or having some sort of understanding of who the character is and how um, I can release Laquita and allow Judy to come forward, because I know how I would react in, the, in 2022, but that's not necessarily how Julie would act, you know, before the Civil War. 
So it's, I'm hoping that it happens because it's been a long time coming with it. And before we get to see you play Julie, people can see you play Robinetta in Lesson Plan. We'd like to invite our uh, viewers and our listeners to uh, attend the Zoom opera. Yes, please, please, please come. Um, I believe it's Friday, 21st, Saturday, two shows, 2 o'clock and 7.30. And the next weekend, the 28th and 29th, two shows on the 29th. So um, it's, a, it's not very long. It's about 45, 50 minutes, and it's so much fun. And I hope that you bring your children, your grandparents. You know, I hope that everyone can come and just be a part of it and to... Um, to sing is to is to have joy. I really believe. So, if you'd like to come, I I I implore you, just come. It's it's going to be wonderful. Thank you so much, Laquita. It has been a real pleasure talking to you, and I hope to see you around uh, sometime soon. Absolutely, Jose. So thankful to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.